The surprise of the WNBA season so far through the first four games might be the team that had the number one overall pick. The Atlanta Dream sit three and one, ready to surprise everybody, maybe? We're going to ask Spester Nussbaum what he takes away from everything that Ryan Howard has done. This is the Locked On Women's Basketball Podcast. Let's go. Are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Alex Simon stepping into the co-host chair for Howard Bankdale today. We've got Spencer Nussbaum here for the next for the Locked On Women's Basketball podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. And we want to let you know, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And Spencer as we get ready to talk about the Atlanta dream, perhaps there's no player who has made a bigger impact, not just in fantasy women's basketball, but actually just in the WNBA period than Ryan Howard has through four games so far. Right. Listen, I don't think a rookie in their first week in the WNBA is supposed to win conference player of the week. They can win maybe, you know, rookie of the month or, you know, one of those awards that are reserved for the first year players, Ryan Howard, what she's doing with this Atlanta dream team, I was just talking about it with Alex before we hopped on. It, it's not something that was supposed to happen. I, I remember texting people you know, before the season started and saying, now, this might be a depressing watch without Tiffany Hayes. You know, I'm not sure that they're going to win you know, one, maybe two games without her. And right now they're sitting at three and one. And you know, a lot of that has to be attributed to Ryan Howard. And look, you can look at it and you, it should be noted their schedule has been on the easier side of things when you look at the opponents that they've played so far. They've opened the season at Dallas and picked up a nice little win on the road to start the season off by seven points. They came home and they took a close one from the Sparks. They then got boat raced, really, is the word I would say, by the Aces, the one good team that they've played. But they go into Indiana where they played over the weekend. They have another game tonight here on Tuesday against the Fever, the other team that everybody thought they were going to be with. And Ryan was absolutely sensational, wasn't she, Spencer? She was. I have watched that quarterback probably three or four times to this point. But again, I, I hate to harp on you know last season because that was such a depressing watch. But it, it really what we saw in these you know first slate of games, and especially against Indiana, what Ryan Howard was doing is just not something the Dream were able to do last year. I, I know that Alex can attribute to you know, teams in the W have rough patches. The Dream had an awful season last year. Um, but but what we're seeing here is some hope. Uh, I think what Ryan Howard has brought to the Dream, a, a team that was supposed to finish at best 10th and at most realistic projections 11th, what we're seeing from this team because of Ryan Howard is a team that might be ready to compete You know, sooner rather than later. I, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that, though. I would not want to overtake it just simply because, as I've pointed out, the competition maybe has been on the weaker end. They still haven't seen any of the teams that you would have projected to be heavily in the lottery discussion except for the Aces. And on top of that, the one time they did see the Aces, it did not necessarily go all that well. Um, but there's a lot to take away from this, and especially because everything about this is so brand new. And we're so early in the WNBA season, you don't want to overtake away kind of team trends. But I do kind of want to point out that outside of Ryan – 
there's really not anybody else that's stepping up on the offensive end. And they really haven't had a good offense for the most part, which is both a testament then to how much she has been able to kind of help carry them in these moments where they're without Hayes, but also a testament to just kind of how they're figuring things out. But her individual talent seems to be able to kind of overwhelm in that regard. Right. I think it's a real two-pronged approach, both with the defense and just how the Dream have set up Ryan Howard. I think that you have players on the roster like, you know, Cheyenne Parker, to an extent, you know, Christy Wallace, Ari McDonald, some other names, who are able to to score, you know, 15 points a game if need be. But as I believe you mentioned, you know, there isn't another player on the roster who's averaging more than 10 points per game. What the Dream are doing in this instance is they're trying to set up Ryan Howard in a situation to succeed early. Uh, when you watch back clips from last year, players like Kennedy Carter, Tiffany Hayes, Courtney Williams, they didn't really have any space to operate. If you look at what the Dream are doing, they're creating space for Ryan Howard. That might not mean that players are you know, creating off the bounce, they're creating shots for themselves, but what they are doing is they're opening up the floor for Ryan to succeed. The, the shots that she's getting, they're, they're spot-up opportunities off you know, a, an extra pass, driving kick, um, in the Indiana game, especially Ryan started showing off the mid range, which was only open because she was sharing the floor with, you know, three to four other players who can, you know, hit from outside. So, you know, it, it definitely starts in the defensive end in terms of the success they've had early, but as it pertains to Howard, I mean, it, it's all in, in terms of the actions that they're giving her. I will say too, you bring up the mid range and her ability to drive. She got to the free throw line 17 times. She had 17 free throw attempts, not got to the line, but had 17 free throw attempts. That's something that less than that has happened less than 50 times in the entire existence of the WNBA. There's the most free throws ever taken in a single game was 24, which the two players, if you want to take a guess, you might be able to figure it out. But Cynthia Cooper and Tina Charles are the two players to take 24. But a player doing that in her fourth career game in the league of attacking, being aggressive, getting to the line that much just seems kind of mind blowing. And especially to end the night, the stats are just absolutely incredible. But it's also not that surprising in that sense. Nine for 18 from the field, three for eight from three, but 12 for 17 from the free throw line. I feel like that's the part that no matter what you can take away, if she's able to continue to be that aggressive and they're able to create those avenues, whether for her to get the baskets at the lane or get fouled, that's got to be maybe the biggest revelation of everything that she's been able to do, right? Right. And the thing is, she is not even fully unlocked yet. When you mentioned the free throws, I, I think that definitely pertains to the motor that you know people like to harp on. They, they were saying at the you know before the year started, that might be a, a big concern with her. And I think, you know, She's taken that a bit personally. I think it's something that she's really wanted to show. You know, I'm ready for the W. I'm ready to show out, you know, for however many minutes a game she's playing. I, I think it's in the mid-30s at this point. Um, it, it's something that she's really, you know, worked on. And I think it's a testament to not only her character, but just her drive to compete. Um, when you talk about just the opportunity she's had, especially, you know, at the free throw line with that aggressiveness, um, that's something that really can pertain back to, that character I was just talking about. Um, and, and when we look at the season ahead, that's the sort of thing that's sustainable. I, I think there are areas of her game, maybe, you know, off ball and especially at the rim where she could stand to improve. But when you're taking 17 free throws in a game, it, it's really hard to critique that. Um, there there will, I'm sure at some point, be growing pains with the season. There, there has to be. Um, no rookie puts up numbers like this for the, an entire year. Uh, Unless maybe, you know, 
Ryan Howard is that rookie. But, well, you know, well, and again, the competition becomes the more important thing. She's doing this against teams where you could see maybe opportunities to explode like this, but she's going to have to face the Connecticut Sun multiple times this season, the Chicago Sky multiple times this season, the Seattle Storm, all of the teams out West multiple times this season, other than Los Angeles and Vegas, she hasn't seen anybody in that regard yet. So you, you don't want to overhype the small sample, but there are takeaways I think you can see from this where you, you can't ignore what you're watching in the idea of small sample size, which is a lot of you know analytically inclined people would say it's only four games, but you can still learn a lot from four games. A lot of people tell you can learn a lot from a single game. And I think what we've learned from this four games is that I don't think Atlanta's going to regret anything that they did in moving up to get her and using the assets that they did to get her. Oh, absolutely not. Washington is the team probably, you know, regretting some things right now. But when you mention even a single game and and you talk about that Vegas game, one thing I know they did super well in in that, you know, contest was just cracking down on the three-point line. And I'm, I'm sure that you know, as teams continue to scout Ryan and, and get more film on her, they're, they're going to be playing her closer. They're going to, you know, they'll, they'll continue to collapse on the, the players around her, but they're going to, you know, collapse on her the most. They're going to focus on her, especially at the three-point line. So as you said, I mean, you can learn things from an individual game, and I'm sure that one thing she'll have to deal with going forward is just teams focusing more and more on her. I also, by the way, should point out Washington is three and one entering Tuesday. So I'm not really sure they're regretting what they did, but Ryan does look like a potential generational talent here. And speaking of, if you are interested, pricepicks.com allows you to use the promo code NBA to download and make daily fantasy made easy. The NBA conference finals are starting tonight with the East. The West is tomorrow. You have major league baseball, even women's basketball. Yes. The WNBA should be a part of price picks. If you go to pricepicks.com, use the promo code NBA or go to the app store to download the app today. Also, thanks to the Locked On Podcast Network, Built Bar can be yours. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Yes, that's builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order from Built Bars and you can tell them that Howard's mom, Grandma Myrna, sent you that way to get the good good loving from Built Bar. So when you look at it with this Atlanta team, to kind of look at the way they've been built here, it is going to kind of build around Ryan, and you want to let those growing pains happen. But how much, even as those happen, how much can what we're seeing right now kind of be the kind of the soft landing, if you will, if you do have games where you know you go two for 14? where you turn the ball over seven times to kind of have this happen so early. Is that something that you kind of have to balance the whole, like, is this fool's gold or is this, this is the, this is the ceiling or the potential, even if you're not reaching it, we see where that's at to you. Right. Stuff. And I understand. I, I think that it's something that the team is actively gauging. I mean, that's why you see her getting so many shot opportunities every game. It's not just because she's a great player. But it's because the team has this long-term vision ahead. Even, you know, Ari McDonald's is a, another testament that speaks to this. She's someone who has, you know, her shot attempts have gone up this year because the team wants to focus on what do we have for the long-term future. Um, if, if there are games ahead, and I'm sure that there will be games ahead, where she's, you know, missing a lot of shots, where, you know, Ryan, Ari, the, the rest of the team is missing shots, there's still things to be learned from that. I, I think the team is also learning right now, you know, where its future might head without Tiffany Hayes. This isn't something you know, I'm reporting, but 
w- one has to speculate to see, you know, what can Ryan do as the focal point of an offense? And then once Tiffany is back, what, what can she do, you know, as a sidekick or as a, as a tandem with another, you know, great on-ball creator? These are the sort of things that the team wants to learn. Um, in addition to how it can construct not only its offense, but I think its defense is a big part of it. When you look at the, you know, offseason subtraction of Elizabeth Williams, I remember in our preseason predictions, I, I predicted that the Dream would have the worst defense in the WNBA. Right now, they are ranked as the first defense in the I was going to say, those were anonymous polls, so you're, you're outing yourself as having kind of maybe missed, at least, again, it's early, but you, you swung the other way in that regard, thinking they were the worst, and so far, they are the number one rated defense in the league. Yeah, this is why I don't know why people listen to me, but regardless, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Dream have had a really strong defense thus far, and the... the the area where I thought they would thrive was on this, you know, perimeter defense. They have, again, it's early. They haven't played great competition, but the health defense has been phenomenal. And coming out of college, Ryan Howard was a phenomenal, phenomenal off-ball health team defender. I, I think that you're learning that she can be, you know, it, it's hard to be the focal point of an offense and a defense that, that's reserved for you know, the Asia Wilsons, the, the Stewies of the world. But, you know, Ryan Howard is someone who, I don't want to speak too soon. I don't want to say that she can be, you know, in that trajectory, but you want to learn how she can be the focal point of an offense and a defense. And look, offense can be entirely individualistic in that regard. And a single person's individual talent can on the offensive end really take over. Defense has to be collective. It has to be five players playing in concert with each other, working together, helping cover things. There are individual talented defenders who can take over games on the defensive end, but you really never are going to see people truly like become like the type of one-on-one defenders outside of playing somebody one-on-one. And it, to me, defense is always about buy-in. Do you have, does this coaching staff have buy-in? At least so far, it seems like absolutely they do on the defensive end in particular with Tanisha Wright. Yeah, Tanisha Wright was talking about defense more than she was offense at the start of the season. I, I should have learned something. Um, but she, she came into this, you know, position after being a defensive minded player in the W, um, her coaching staff, I think additionally is also very defensive minded. So it, it's something that they harped on during training camp. It's something that they have really focused on at the start of the season. And, you know, it, it's too early for me to say at this point in the season, especially with all the new additions, you know, who is a fantastic, intelligent on-ball defender who has the you know highest IQ but as you said this team has buy-in and that's not something they had you know last season so that's something that's paid off really early and really strong in the defensive end I do think you're underselling the what they didn't have last season in terms of buy-in is a very good point to take away here you mentioned Ari McDonald and I do find it interesting she has been coming off the bench but her minutes are up to 22 plus a game and she's currently tied for the second highest scoring average of anybody on the dream so far this season. It's her and Cheyenne Parker, both at 9.8. So nobody other than Ryan is above 10 points a game. Ryan's all the way up at 20.8 so far through four. That's pretty good. I got to say, just got to say that's pretty good. But at 9.8 Aerie, how have you felt the Aerie and Ryan kind of two or maybe three guard looks if they have her out with Erica Wheeler at times, how have you felt they've been able to play off of each other? It's something that definitely will take more than this four-game sample because, you know, their minutes to an extent have been a little staggered, but they have played together for, you know, vast stretches of the game because Ryan Howard, again, gets so many minutes in every single game. Um, when when you look at the minutes that they have together and just the, the future that you project out, Ryan is technically a guard, 
but she's six two. So when she's playing along someone in Ari McDonald who's listed at five six, and that might be a little generous, um, you're looking at a team that can run out you know three guards per se who can have you know these sort of perimeter options because Ryan can can fill in on the offensive and defensive end of the floor with her height. Um, I think it's something that can work really well in the future as well because as we touched on. When Ryan Howard has space to operate, she's a phenomenal player. And if Erin McDonald, she, she's not going to continue hitting 50% of her threes, but she can be a knockdown three-point shooter in this league, you know, on the ball, off the ball. So when you combine those two talents, I think it's something that's really promising for the dream. Uh, coming into the season, I wasn't entirely sure whether the dream were, you know, actually viewing Ari as a long-term, you know, central piece of their core. I, I wasn't sure, even despite everything she did at Arizona, and I am a, a huge Ari fan in that regard. I don't know how sure I was of her as an elite player in the W. I don't think that that's necessarily the view I should have been taking. It It was, you know, can she be an important rotational piece of a championship team? And with her on-ball defense, with her three-point shooting, you know, with her attacking, she obviously can be, and I think she'd be a great fit, you know, alongside Ryan in the future. And look, even if you end up in a way where she never starts, you still need somebody to be that third guard or depending on how you ro- rotate four guards, if you start three, but you need somebody to be able to come off the bench and kind of blend in across positions. What Ryan can do so well that I think everybody pointed out, but we've seen so much of the offense. It's t- hard to point out when you're six, two and can still guard guards on the defensive end, that is immensely valuable and makes you switchable. And a player like Ari with her size probably isn't as switchable onto bigger players, but Ryan can be, which is how the two of them could end up blending if they try to throw into pick and roll a Ryan Airy defensive pick and roll. Ryan can at least flash and then slide back. And I think that defensively with how quick Airy's hands are, they could be a pretty lethal front court on defense in that regard. Backcourt. I absolutely agree. No, I I absolutely agree. Backcourt, definitely not front court. Um, But yeah. Not not Airy's height. (laughs) No, probably not. Um, you know, but but with Ryan and Ari, the the other thing that comes to mind is that the the dream this past offseason, they weren't necessarily able to attract marquee free agents. I, I think that the league is, you know, it it can't not be taking notice of what Ryan Howard and to an extent Ari McDonald are doing right now, and, and the culture that Tanisha Wright is building and just the the team that Dan Padover, uh, the general manager, has put together. Uh, the team, you know, it's hard to say whether a year from now they'll necessarily be, you know, attracting the top two or three names in the W. They will definitely have the cap space for it, but many teams will. Um, But in in the years down the line, you know, Ryan Howard is the sort of player that I I feel like someone would want to play alongside. You know, she's got, for all the the criticism, she does indeed have that motor. Um, She has the talent, and I, I think teams are, and, you know, players are especially drawn to her personality as well. I think that's shown up early. Even though she's she's more of a reserve personality, I think that's something that you know the the team has really appreciated early. Uh, I think that w- when the team looks ahead, and we we've talked a lot about this long term vision with the dream. You know, we're only four games into this season, but you know, it, it, that culture headlined by Ryan is something to pay attention to. And I do want to kind of get into a little bit of the future. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that if you really like this dream team and think that they're going to win games like potentially Tuesday nights against the Fever, head on over to Bet Online and BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Like we said with Prize Picks, we've got the NBA Conference Finals starting up. 
Major League Baseball is in full swing. We just got the NFL schedule. So if you really are thinking football already, but especially if you got WNBA games that you're really interested in, head over to Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. To think in the future, you mentioned something that I found very interesting earlier, and I want to come back to before we wrap up here about Tiffany Hayes. She is not going to play in Tuesday's game against the Fever. So that's the fifth game that she's going to miss before. Do you, I would think you would assume she kind of gets worked back in after this game, correct? Yeah. So to look at it, she signed a one-year deal here. And how much do you think then, where, even if you're not reporting on it, but how much are you thinking about these games as maybe thinking to next year where Hayes, she's 32, going to turn 33 during the kind of FIBA World Cup time. But by next season, she'll be entering free agency as a 33-year-old. And she stated she probably wants to go win a title and at least try for a title. Atlanta, like, does what this happen make you think that less likely that it would be a fit for the both of them again next year? If she's thinking title and Atlanta's thinking, let's start to build around Ryan, but that might not be title in 2023 type building. I will say this, Ryan Howard cannot be the face of a championship team if she is the only star on the team. I I have a very high view of Tiffany Hayes, and I think it would be beneficial for the team to keep her on for at least a few more years to show, you know, how she and Ryan can work together and potentially adding, you know, one more star to that mix. But, you know, as it pertains to Tiffany Hayes, especially, again, this is not reporting. This is more speculating based on what I know about the franchise, what I know about Tiffany and what I know about just the WNBA landscape as a whole, you know, I'm not sure that she wants to, she will be here for more than, you know, this season. She has spent so much time in Atlanta. She has spent time as the face of Atlanta, as the Robin, the Batman. She has played basically every role for this franchise. And um, I, I think when I have talked with her, you know, people who are close to her in the past, whether it's, you know, family or past teammates, Winning is the thing that's most important to Tiffany Hayes. And, you know, to be on this dream roster for three more years when, you know, championship aspirations really aren't part of the program, it's really hard to say that she'll be in Atlanta next season. I I would see her more opting for, you know, a a secondary, you know, ball-creating role on a really, really talented roster, um, where that would be hard to say. But we just also saw this happen this offseason for a prominent longtime player with the dream in Elizabeth Williams, who potentially could have gotten more money to stay in Atlanta if that was a fit both saw there. But she went, probably took less money than she could have gotten if she was chasing every dollar because she found a good fit for her. And she's going to be starting with the Mystics here shortly on the floor. And that's a team that looks really sharp right now and is probably going to be in the mix for a championship run come the playoff time. That is something that Hayes decided to come back to Atlanta ostensibly not to do obviously if this run keeps up and she meshes we can have a very different podcast three weeks from now or less than that if that's happening but it it seems like there's a way for the present of Hayes kind of the past and the present of the dream to help shape the future and even if they do part ways after a season here it can be very amicable in doing that for both parties I would assume Right. And, you know, Tiffany Hayes is someone who's used to, to winning. She won in high school. She, you know, obviously was at UConn. She won there. Um, I, I think the team would be happy to, you know, not happy to see her go, but happy to see her in, you know, a positive situation after she, you know, spent so many years in Atlanta, you know, helping 
create for for many years, helping create a, a positive culture and a, a positive atmosphere um, and, a, and a winning culture. Uh, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying she contributed to the negative culture last year, but you know, she was a part of yeah. some really strong, strong years in Atlanta. Um, I, I wouldn't be, I would be more surprised to see her be on the roster two years from now than I would be to see her elsewhere competing for a championship on a roster. Would she, she's on a one-year deal. It is a little bit pricey and cap space is very fluid and strange, but would she be somebody that you think Atlanta, if there was interest in a way for another team to make the cap space work, would be interested in even trading for her? Or is this a point where you think the plan is to have her kind of mold the, mold the team and the young players throughout the entire season as she's getting ready to come back into the fold here? I had not considered that possibility, and it's especially something to take note of when you think that probably 10 to now if Atlanta's here, 11 teams are competing for the playoffs. I think Tiffany Hayes is the sort of player who can mesh on any roster and bring a team that might be in seventh or eighth up to, you know, fourth or, or maybe, you know, actually competing for a championship. So it's something to consider on another team's part. Whether Atlanta is actually willing to do it, I would say is, is pretty unlikely. I, I don't think that they you know, necessarily need another, you know, great asset unless it is, you know, a, a lottery pick next year. I'm not sure that they want to to sacrifice maybe a, a mid to late first round pick or, you know, get a, a mid to late first round pick in, in lieu of an actual, you know, culture and character and, and, and the player that Tiffany Hayes is. And let me be clear, she's making $215,000 this year. It would be very difficult for any team to make the cap space match with who they trade away in order to bring her in. But it's just a thought that I wanted to ask you while I had you here and before we wrapped up. Spencer, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Where can the people find you and your work this season? Oh, they got to find me at Spencer Nussbaum underscore on Twitter. That's definitely the place to be. I'm trying to get those followers up, trying to get everyone you know interested well, in the W. If, you're, if you want to get those followers up, make sure you spell that last name. I think most people can get Spencer, but for our audio crowd here, what, how do you spell the last name there? Oh, that's a great point. That's N-U-S-B-A-U-M. So Spencer, N-U-S-B-A-U-M underscore on Twitter. And as always, at The Next, covering the Atlanta Dream for the fabulous crew that we have at The Next that partners with us here at the Lockdown Wounds Basketball Podcast. I'm Alex Simon. You can find me at Bay Area News Group and at Alex Simon Sports. Thank you guys for joining us on this Tuesday. Enjoy your evening of WNBA basketball.